Hey, this is Chicken. Thanks for listening to Moto X Pod. What's up, guys? Moto X Pod Show, episode number 56. Uh, tonight's a little different. Uh, we got Muscle Mark out of town, or he's working for FedEx late tonight. DJ TJ is out west coast drilling for oil. But I've got Derek Wedding in the studio tonight. But uh, first, let's read off our sponsors. All Sport Dynamic Wrist Braces, Shock Socks, MX Girl Designs, TPJ Racing, York Fabrication, Welding and Fabrication, and Broadway Power Sports. Thanks to all those guys for doing all they do for us, helping us out. Really couldn't do it without them. So, Derek, what's up, man? I'll just uh, enjoying the enjoying the racing and all that every weekend as much as I can. Yeah, you just got back from. Uh, tell us about your weekend. Uh, went down to uh, the uh, Huffman's Ranch this last weekend to run a Arma uh, Vintage National or Regional, and uh, also a little bit of a TVRC event, you know, mixed into it and. And uh, it was the first time they had raced there, and it was an old GP-style track with about five man-made jumps in it. It was all in about 26 turns, and it was an wow. awesome, awesome event. How'd you do? Uh, won my GP5 class, both motos, and the uh, uh, I won the 125 Ultima Expert class also. Kicking ass still so. after all these years. <laughs> so for those of you that listen every, uh, every, every episode, you may remember Derek used to race for Mitch Payton back in the 70s when it was PCP. Husqvarna, I mean that. How awesome was that? Well, it was interesting, and he was uh, he was a serious guy back then yeah. too, just like he <laughs> right? is today. As if nothing's changed. <laughs> nothing's All those championships changed. and nothing's changed. Yep. Well, I'm glad to have you in here. Um, it, it was a little nerve wracking, thinking that I might have to do this by myself. Um, I know Mark and TJ want to be here, but FedEx. This is the time of year, man, where they are just balls to the wall. Slam. And, and yeah, and uh, Mark Mark is uh, not feeling well either, and he's still out there slinging boxes and <laughs> tj is making that money so doc can keep racing so yeah they're pretty busy but uh so we were talking a little bit before we went on air about the 2018 supercross uh season i was kind of filling you in on a little bit of the format changes and you're not a huge fan of the you, you like uh the old school and you're more motor you you think the motocross yeah should I'm, be more important than supercross yeah i'm a little bit more geared towards the uh outdoors events than the grand prix that kind of stuff uh i really miss a lot of the old trans usas and trans ams and yeah. stuff like that that uh uh brought a lot of the european riders over to the to the states on a regular basis and and then uh it just you know 45 minute motos you know plus two laps right. back in the day when i rode the nationals and um you know the supercrosses are you know they're they're good for the fans and they're good for the for the business and stuff like that and i see a point to them right 
Well, just, yeah, listening to you talk, you know, I'm a Supercross guy. I'm more, I like Supercross, the show of Supercross a little bit more. But at listening to you talk, I'm kind of like, yeah, you're right. You know, I mean, it really does separate the men from the boys. The, <laughs> the long motos yeah. and the heat and the humidity and the roughness. And, yeah, I mean, I, I, I don't totally disagree with you. Yeah, it was, uh, you know, it was, it was the way it was uh, built back then. It was the most demanding sport in the world right. tied with uh, with uh, world like soccer, soccer yeah. and uh, world league soccer. And, you know, you used every muscle in your body constantly for 45 minutes plus two laps and your and your brain. Yeah. And uh, it, <laughs> it, it, uh, it had a, a, a toll on your body, that's for sure, at the end of the year. Well, no doubt, yeah. I mean, because what they do now is pretty gnarly, and that was yeah. even gnarlier and less suspension and everything. So, yeah, <laughs> back, I can see that. Back yeah. when we had wooden spokes in the wheels, right, you know? Right, yeah. Back in your day, yeah. yeah. Had to wind them up with a rubber band. Yeah. All right, guys. So, uh, like I said, we have uh, Gary Sutherland on tonight, the 2017 Hare and Hounds champion. He's also the 2017 Works champion. We've got Matt Bichelia on, Courtney Lloyd, the team manager for – Team Canada for MX of Nations, and we have the one and only Chris freaking Kiefer. So uh, we're going to get this thing started here in just a moment, so just hang tight, and we'll be right back. All right, it's Dark Side. We are back. I've got Gary Sutherland on the phone, 2018 Works Champion, 2018 Hare and Hound Champion, one bad dude. Oh, I said 2018. It's 2017. Whatever. Everybody knows it's not 2018 yet, Derek. Come on. <laughs> Man, he's going to be the 2018 uh, champion. That's what I, I meant. He, that's I like I that meant. you're calling it out already, man. You're yeah. already calling it out. I'm going to be the 2018 champion, too. I like this. Yeah, I like yeah. this. we got to get another X-Brand Fly Racing, you know, some championships under there. Yes, we do. we got to get them done. Yeah, man. So what's going on, Gary? Oh, not much. Just, uh, you know, trying to enjoy a little off-season and also put in uh, put in that work to try and defend those titles right now, you know. Got thrown a little curveball at the moment, but uh, we're we're working hard on trying to figure out, you know, my 2018 plans and moving forward. Yeah, let's talk about that just a little bit. Um, you know, Chris Kiefer made a post the other day and kind of announced to the world that uh, y- you were with Team Pervines. Um, what happened with that program? <clears throat> so I actually had a three-year contract with uh, the Pervines Racing Team, and uh, you know, at the end of the day, I don't I don't know as if they uh, fully believed in me the fact that I could uh you know win win the championships and win as much as I did this season and you know I had a nice good contract and at the at the time you know everything was good and we started winning and everything was working working out great and I mean I couldn't have had a better season and uh you know I really didn't even see it coming I figured you win two championships in one season there wouldn't be an opportunity to to be you know dropped from a team and uh, unfortunately, you know, they started asking for some parts back, and then the trailer that was supposed to be a part of my deal, they're like, "Hey, we need to pick it up. We sold it." And I'm like thinking to myself, "Wow, what's going on?" And so I showed up and had a meeting with them on Friday, and <laughs> wasn't really even an offer to keep me around. It was basically just the fact that they'd spent too much money on me that season, and I guess they didn't get enough return or or anything moving forward, so they weren't willing to spend that amount of money again in the following year so they're still going racing next year unfortunately you know without me yeah uh so it's, a, it's kind of it's kind of a bummer deal for me because you know if i would have known this in in advance i would have signed a one-year deal i made some you know of course 
and you know you, you think you have a three-year contract and you know you're making money and stuff i had to do stuff with my money i invested money in buying a house and now i'm sitting here going wow yeah that's <laughs> um without a job without money and uh two championships so it's uh not a good place to be in at the beginning of december i would assume not i mean that's got to be really stressful and i told you that you know i i didn't really follow the off-road scene very much um i, I got the chance to meet you before I went to the Glen Helen race, and man, I just thought you were such yeah. a cool dude. I was like, I got to start checking this out and, and paying attention to it. So I know there's a big difference between um, Supercross and outdoor or uh, off road as far as t- you know television and probably money and and media and all that stuff. So how hard is it to find another? Because you know, if a Supercross champion got let go, they're going to have a ride almost instantly. Yeah. Yeah. How difficult no, you know, for you would this be? Well, it's super difficult because, unfortunately, you know, there's a lot that goes into, you know, off-road racing is like, I mean, you think about it. Well, I've been racing here in Hound, risk my life for 100-plus miles for three hours. There's nobody standing there cheering me on, I mean, versus a, you know, a few checkpoints. But, you know, nobody sees what goes behind the scene, and it's true, gritty, just all-out man's racing and and it's not you know you're right it's not on tv but it's also the guys that are out buying the motorcycles the day in day out guys that are going working construction jobs are headed out to the desert to go hang out with their family those are the guys buying bikes and you know we i feel like we have a very good platform to stand on to sell motorcycles and sell products to these to these guys that are that are willing to go drop 12 grand and so um you know it's tough because you know, in the industry, especially off-road, the, you know, it's no different. Like, if I was 18 years old and some company came up to me and said, hey, man, we're going to give you, you know, $10,000 to race this bike for the year and everything. And, you know, you live at home with your parents and you don't have to worry about anything. And, you, hey, man, you're making $10,000, but you get bonuses. Like, you're going to take that ride. You know, sure. you're an 18-year-old kid. That's a lot of money. Well, unfortunately, in my position, I'm, you know, now 30. I have a six-year-old daughter. I have a family to take care of. And, I can't live on ten thousand dollars. So unfortunately, you know that's the problem. The money in the off road, uh, you know, scene is isn't isn't what it should be. Is it's not as uh, it's not as I don't know mainstream. It's a hard, hey, I'm learning a lot. I'm learning a lot more about things here in the last you know two three days than than I have in uh, as many years as I raced off road as far as where and how to market myself maybe a little better and. And, unfortunately, you know, social media is a big thing. There's a lot of things that go into everything. So being an off-road racer, there's especially West Coast, there's not as many rides. And uh, it's it's a it's a tough tough situation for all of us on the West Coast. Yeah. yeah. And, uh, unfortunately, I hope it gets better because, you know, there's some great riders out here that don't have anything. There's a lot of great, you know, great series that don't get the respect and the coverage that they deserve. And, um you know, for next year, I plan on doing all three series on the West Coast, the West Coast, or, or I'm sorry, National Heron Hound Series, defend my title there, works, uh, and defend my title there. And then I have, the only West Coast title I haven't won is the AMA uh, Big Six Series. So I'm going to throw that in on top of everything else I'm doing next year. And Jeez. I think I'm ra- racing like 27 races next year, I think. So, wow. But that's... hey, you know, that's. that's race 27,000 or 27 races is for you know not much money but at the end of the day those are my goals and i want to achieve those goals for me and my sponsors and yeah. once i once i figure out what i'm riding <laughs> <laughs> and 
and how to pay the bills. Well, that's what, uh, um, you know, I mean, 27 races, man, that's, that's a lot of training. That's a lot of time on the road and stuff like that. I mean, that's a lot of, um, uh, exposure for a lot of the sponsors. Uh, how, how are your other sponsors besides your, your team? How are they holding up with you and stuff? They, they sticking right in there and, and being strong with you oh. still. Yeah. You know, it's been a, I've had a lot of great feedback from everybody, um, as far as, uh, you know, my all my other sponsors that I had this year. And, you know, it's tough, though, too. I mean, it is December. Whether it's a product sponsor or a money sponsor, like, it's tough for any of those companies because all the – everything that they have allocated out to, you know, and as far as, like, okay, we have our budget full, well, you know, even – I mean, they're like, yeah, we'll help you out. But they're like, man, you know, it's just a bummer for you. You know, I mean, they're definitely stretching themselves. So, yeah. Like I said, I've had a real positive feedback from everybody, and it seems like I'm going to have a lot of help on that end. It's just right now the financial financial side of uh, off-road racing is where I'm struggling yeah. as far as finding yeah. that money to be able. You know, I've been talking to manufacturers, and unfortunately most of the manufacturers have all their riders tied up already. You know, they have already done photo shoots and done things. And so that's where kind of really this whole thing really kind of screwed me up bad is it wasn't the fact that he let me go. It's the fact he let me go in December. There's no time. And when I race in five. I race in five weeks. Jeez. Oh, so y'all's season starts up basically the the first of January. Yeah, and it ends in uh, middle to end of November. So our wow. off season is basically non-existent. So <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's yeah. man. I just it, that gutted me when Chris posted that the other day, and it's it's crazy. I, I mean, how does a champion, a two, like especially you want two series now? Destry yeah. Abbott is like kind of the the other big guy in the sport right and you're that you race against no Destry's retired from this time and uh but he's a huge Destry's like he's the you know he's a five-time national hair and hound champion yeah. and you know he's been he was you know helping managing our team and um he has a huge influence in all of the off-road and so you know with moving forward on that like you know he him helping the team his son Cooper's racing and he's still doing races, him battling with leukemia, all that stuff. Like he's left, he got dropped also from the team. So oh, wow. it's, it's not just, you know, it didn't just hit home for me, it hit home for him too. And Odessa's a good friend of mine. And now it's like, we're kind of all, it wasn't, it's like, we're kind of like, well, let's go figure out what we're going to do. You know, we kind of, he's trying to figure out what he's going to do for him and Coop. And I'm trying to figure out what's gonna, what I'm going to do for myself. So yeah, that, uh, the reason I asked is, you know, like I said, I, I didn't really follow off road. Those you, your name and his name are a couple that I've heard from Kiefer talking yeah. about it, and there it doesn't seem like there's a lot of big, you know, quote unquote names in in off road because it isn't very mainstream. But it seems like the teams would want to get the guys that have a little bit of name, you know, recognition and have some championships under their belts. And it just even in motocross, supercross, it's unbelievable to me how some of the, how the industry. I'm learning the industry works, and it's difficult to get sponsors, and it's difficult for the guys that can win to get jobs sometimes because there just aren't that many. Yeah, and it's it's a uh, it's a cutthroat industry. I mean, realistically, yeah. like I love racing motorcycles and I love riding dirt bikes, but at the end of the day, when you're racing for a living. It's cutthroat. You cannot afford to have one bad season. And and honestly, like, I mean, everybody in the industry knows, like, there's a lot of times when, hey, don't ever burn bridges because yeah. the buddy that, that guy that you worked with over there at that time when you were younger, 
may now all of a sudden be a team manager. And if he likes you, whether you're doing good or not, he might give you a ride just because he likes you. So, yeah, I mean, in all fairness, it's not always the, it's, I mean, clearly it's not always the best guy gets the job. I mean, that's how it kind of works. And it's unfortunately the dirty side of our, of our uh, industry, but I mean, it is what it is. And I, I literally, like I said, I had no idea. I figured, man, I win two championships. Yeah. I'm things are going to get better. You know, like I'm going to think they're gonna, I'm going to get a mechanic finally, or I'm going to, cause I mean, I rented <laughs> all my own stuff all year and did my own stuff. And I'm like, sweet, I'm going to get a mechanic. Things are going to work out good. And you know, 18 is going to be, it's going to be awesome. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, not so much. Well, thankfully with that deal, going away at least it doesn't take your talent your ability away so you can still go out there and kick some ass and uh you know hell just go out there and beat all those guys that are getting the, the better deals and show them what's up yeah and that's i mean at the end of the day i do have two number one plates yep. sitting beside me to try and sell so whoever does step <laughs> up and wants to help me out is going to get going to get a lot of great media coverage out of it yeah. and uh it's going to be a good It'll be a good thing for everybody, and I'm looking forward to trying to get my program set in a very short period of time right. and uh, hopefully get a couple of weeks of riding in on the bike before I have to go race. No doubt. So, so help me out a little bit because, uh, you know, you said you guys race for about three hours. Is that is that pretty much a standard time every race, or does it change? Is it mileage? You know, how, do, how does the – how do the two different series work? So, like, a hare and hound race is based off mileage, so they always say a true hare and hound is 100 miles, and so certain areas that we go, you know, sometimes we're limited to space, so, you know, it might only be 80 miles, but depending on the technicality, like, technical, you know, terrain, it could be, you know, it could take you three hours. I mean, we raced one race this year, I think it was three hours and 45 minutes, and then, you know, we raced, yeah, and then we raced another race that was, like, two hours and 18 minutes. And then, uh, but on the works end of it, works is two hours long, and it's laps. It's consistent of laps, so it could be a 12-minute lap time with a motocross track and some off-road. And then uh, the big six series is actually an hour and a half uh, long race, a lot more like a faster-paced series. Yeah. Um, a lot more fat. They they call it the Grand Prix series, so it's more, you know, higher higher speed, fast, choppy. Um, courses and the works is works is supposed to be you know world off-road championship series but they've actually kind of uh went away from uh that genuine true off-road that they used to be a little bit and they've kind of been a little more grand prix here and lately and uh hopefully he gets back to that. i know he's trying to work on some motorcycle only events now that you know he's picking up a little bit so um so yeah those are kind of the styles of racing and hair hounds are you know the bomb star sit on the back of the fender hold it wide open across the desert <laughs> yeah. hope you don't hit yeah. hope you don't hit a rock and yeah. age yourself and you're you're looking for those piles of dirt because usually if there's a pile of dirt there's a hole somewhere nearby <laughs> exactly know? exactly well, well i got i'm wondering how do you train for these uh for these uh heron hound events and stuff i mean a three-hour race hundred miles i've rode some uh some texas cross-country stuff that you know 50 mile events you know and on 10 mile loops you know and but yeah, I mean, how do you train for a hundred mile, three hour race at, at averaging 33 you know, miles an hour on average? You know, uh, honestly, like I ride a lot of moto. I, I'm a, I'm a, and I'm a guy that like, I do well with just riding. Like a lot of guys that are like, 
oh man, they pedal, pedal, pedal. Like I like to ride a lot. I ride a lot of just rough tracks, a lot of motocross. Um, and then, you know, I pedal quite a bit with Kiefer and, you know, some guys in the high deck and some start stuff on my own. And then, uh, but realistically, like for hair and hound stuff, before a race, I might ride a couple of days of desert or, you know, behind my house in Hesperia, or I might actually drive out to Lucerne where we're racing and, and ride the area. And just the biggest thing, the difference is the biggest thing is calming down, taking your time and like getting your eyes to focus in at a, such a high speed track. Cause you don't know the course. So you never ride the same thing twice at a hair and hound. So yeah, you, you might have a really close call. Like you might come up on a ditch and like, Oh, your butthole's puckered. You save it somehow. <laughs> you know, you like, you get it through it. You're like, woo. But you don't have to think about it. You don't have to remember that, that, you know, that hole because you're never coming back there. Oh yeah. yeah. So, so that's the thing is, uh, the big thing is, is, it's two totally different styles of racing and but I, I honestly I, I ride a lot of moto and a lot of just rough tracks to keep me in shape and and uh you know at the at the end of the day that three hours when it's three hours it's just grit it's just heart grit and hopefully you did your work at the end of the you know that last half an hour yeah that, that just sounds gnarly because I go out I mean I, I don't get to ride very much and I definitely don't train any so I go out and ride moto and I do like three laps and I come in and get some water, take a little break, let my arm pump go down and whew, three hours or, you know, even an hour just to, good Lord, it's just hard for me to wrap my brain around. <laughs> yeah, the, yeah, the yeah. relaxing part is I, the hard part. I came from moto, actually. Yeah. That's what I used to race. And so it was a little different uh, transitioning into off-road for sure the first few times Yeah, I went racing. You know, you're not used to that long and like all that stuff you know they, but that's what works right now the intensity level is high so it's like a motor so you're sure just arm pump balls out ah, just, yeah just, just going for it for two hours so uh, the, i when i i think i told you this when i met you I, you know i lived in barstow for a while my dad was stationed out at fort Irwin, and uh yeah. we i did a desert race with some buddies you know i did a little bit of moto i was just learning to race a little bit was really really a terrible motorcycle rider but we did like a 52-mile loop twice at a, a race out of Barstow. And, God, I remember coming back. And this, do what? Probably a – they do a lot of local District 37 okay. races out in Barstow. It may have been. It was like 89, 90, so I, I don't remember. But I just remember like coming back and the sun was going down. It was getting cold. And my hands, for the first time I'd got arm pump, were locked onto the handlebars. Like I could not <laughs> let go. And it hurt so bad. Uh, yeah, I just and I I remember you know blazing across the desert and all of a sudden there was a four foot drop and I was in a gully, you know and then the, there's a dude coming behind me and he's he's yelling and he goes over the bars and it was just crazy. Yeah, I don't. You guys are you you, you deserve more respect than I think probably the industry gives the sport of off road. Yeah, no, it's one of those things where people don't actually give like that's the thing like people don't people don't get to see it yeah mainstream so the guys that do it or like you even saying like oh i went to the desert and dude you're gnarly and all this stuff like that's and that's what i was getting back to is like those guys that we as desert racer off-road guys the guys that were you know fully you know you can walk up to any of us at a desert race or whatever rock right up hey what's going on man hey what are you running for this what, you know they look at your bike we'll tell them I mean, I raced a bone stock YZ450 all year. Never touched the motor on the thing all year. That's awesome. So, 
literally anybody anybody can go buy the bike I had. Take the suspension, have Ty Davis do my do yep. their suspension, throw an FMF pipe and an IMF tank on it, and you can be a works champion. That's all it takes, right there. <laughs> I, I, I think it takes a little more than that, and yeah. thankfully, you know, Chris Kiefer has a pretty big following, and I know he's going to start doing a bunch of more pods with off-road guys, and that's good because I, I definitely think you guys deserve some more exposure. Uh, you know, and just your your pod you did with him was was fantastic. I mean, your your backstory, you know, being a single dad, uh, it's just you, you deserve to have some media coverage because you're a bad dude. And uh, you know, I want to switch gears just real quick because you were training the day I met you for the Ontario Enduro Cross, mm-hmm. and I know the main didn't go quite how you expected. And I don't, I didn't get to watch it, so I don't know exactly what happened. But you did get second in the expert class, and you got second in the B main. Did you? Didn't you have some bike issues or something in the main? I had bike issues the whole day. Like I <laughs> borrowed a bike from, I borrowed a bike from Destry on Friday, and uh, somehow I don't know how I burned a clutch up in the thing. Okay. Uh, the bike I was riding that day, I burnt the clutch up in his class. He goes, "Hey, go grab my bike." I go. 10-minute practice, I burnt the clutch up in that thing, and he was like, what are you doing? Like, so I was like, crap, what am I going to do? So I went home, grabbed my, my Desert 450 bike, and showed up through the gummy tire, dumb up gummy, gummy tire, showed up the next morning, tried to do two practices, and the thing was a beast. And yeah. finally, we found a stock clutch for uh, the 250 they had. So I borrowed a different bike that they had that was, who knows, the suspension, whatever. I just threw the clutch in, ran down, raced the thing, got into the night show, had an easy qualifying spot into the main and just totally just dumbass move on my own part and wrecked in the matrix and had to go to the last chance qualifier and made it through the last chance qualifier, got in the main, I'm starting in the back course first turn pile up of course because i'm right. in the back it's time tangled i'm like second to last and i i go through the no joke lane on the no joke lane on the second lap man i clean it perfect like couldn't have done it better my like, sweet i got you know 14 or 13 laps now to go you know chase down the top 10 yeah and i got all the way to 11th right at the halfway point i got into 11th and there was like three or four guys in front of me and uh something happened i think the kill switch broke or something the bike just shut off and i was like no i don't after all that mess of getting bikes and switching bikes i mean i literally rode three different bikes that weekend that's and crazy i just dude i was like and it was all supposed to be for fun and yeah. it was all and i was like honestly i should have just sat in the stands and watched and cheered everybody on but it was at the end of the day it was a lot of fun it was good to do it, it was good to see the people i hadn't seen in a while and uh i enjoyed it. i didn't i do not like the new racing format, but I, I did enjoy the event itself. Well, I was really enjoying it because I, I, I like the crap talking between you and Kiefer and Cody Webb, you know, the, oh, when, yeah. you're, when you're out there training. So I, I was definitely hoping that you would be able to be up there with him and bang some bars. But yeah. it, just from what I've seen with that series, you just never know what's going to happen. I mean, it's. Well, dude, Cody Webb is an animal. Oh, yeah. Hats off to that guy. He is an animal. I wouldn't touch that guy. I wouldn't be able to touch that guy if I trained all year. Like, the guy is on a whole nother level right now. And, I mean, he, he's uh, definitely the guy to beat him and Colton. And, uh, you know, they have a lot of trials background. And, and that's where I, you know, 
uh, when I was racing endurocross for a long time, I was kind of came to a decision like I either need to stop doing everything that I'm doing and focus just on endurocross or, you know, go do other stuff. And at that time, King was like, hey, we want you to go race Heron Hounds and Works. And clearly that paid off for me, yeah. you know? So, um, yeah, so it was just, you know, at that point in my career, I'd, I'd raced endurocross for seven years. And, you know, those guys put work in all year to be the best sure. at what they do at their discipline. So um, trying to race all these different disciplines and throw endurocross in just, you know, yeah, you can be like I was once told from uh, Kawasaki when I was riding from there, like Gary, you're good at everything, but we want you to be great at something. Right. Yeah. And yeah. I was like, okay, <laughs> I understand that. It's like, yeah, no problem. Just let me, just let me. Okay, that's cool. No problem. Right. Well, I got one last question for you before we wrap this up for tonight. Um, do you have like a scariest moment in one of your races where something happened and it was like, oh shit, I, I almost died. Oh, I have about five of those every Heron Hound race, oh, okay. just so you guys know. And I'm not joking. I'm not joking. Yeah, I believe you. There's about five of those every race. Well, give me one. One that comes to mind. Mm, man. I would have to say one of the scariest. Man, it had to be. I was trying to think. Oh, this year, actually. That, it's funny you said that. Um, the the race actually won I where I won my championship. I was on the first loop. I came up, we're in the dunes, and there's a bunch of ups and downs, and, like, I'm pinning it, and all of a sudden, I came up to, like, this top of this, I'm like, what? And it looked like it just was, like, nice on the other side, and I just came up to it real fast. Right at the last minute, I realized there was, like, a huge drop on the backside, and then it came, it was, like, a hole, like, it was deep, like, I came off of it, right, I'm like, oh, gosh. And I'm just falling, I'm like, oh, I braced myself, hit my head on the bars, blew my feet off, blew one of my hands off somehow saved it, smashed my face into the bars, like, had to, like, slow down, rearrange my, I'm like, whew, like, that could have just ended my day, and the, and actually, I had two that day, the next one was, I was, we came down this really rocky downhill, and I turned to the sand wash, and I hit a rock, and I kind of went off to the left, and there was, like, a mound of dirt, and right as I saw the mound of dirt, I went, oh, crap, and I pinned it, well, out in the stern, there's a bunch of mine shafts and stuff, were in, like, gold mining claims, yeah, yeah, and I, jumped i jumped over a hole that somebody had been digging like a mine shaft hole like you know it's probably only like three four feet around we're just enough to get a person down in but i like if i would have fallen in there on a dirt bike i would have been <laughs> it would have ruined my day ruined my championship everything so wow i just well that, but i'm telling you that's only two and i know there was more <laughs> that day and that's just one race yeah it, it sucks that we can't like there's not tv coverage of all this you know i mean because I think it would be really amazing to be able to see, even if it was just highlights, it'd be really amazing to see what you guys do. Yeah, and, and uh, you know, they're doing a little better job. I mean, the National Heron Hound Series is doing a better job with, uh, they got some drones they're using on the start and showing some, trying to get some to some different areas. And I think, you know, I mean, they're never, ever going to be able to televise it, so it's right. never going to have that GNC feel or moto feel. But, uh I, you know, I'd tell anybody that wants to take a crack at desert racing, come on out. Let's have a, you, you'll, you'll always remember that experience. I can tell you that. Yeah. I remember back, you know, when I was growing up, I used to see every once in a while, like the, the Baja, they'd show some of that, the, just a little, uh, blurps of it here and there. Yeah. And then like Barstow to Vegas, they'd show some of that. And, yep. and it was always some guy hanging out of a helicopter at a hundred <laughs> miles an hour, you know, and it looked like the bikes yeah. and stuff were just all over the place. And I mean, they probably were at the time being at, you know, about six inches of suspension, you know, back in the day. <laughs> yeah. 
So, but, you know, that was about all the desert racing that we ever got to see on wide world of sports, you know, back then. Yep. And I, and I try to steer clear from Baja as much as possible and all that. I just never had a real inclination to go down there because there's a lot more, I mean, I don't know. Everybody's like, they say it's crazy to race here now because at least Baja you pre-run. So, I don't know. I just don't have, uh, I don't have much inclination to go down there and race down in Baja, but, you know. You never know. Well, you were you mentioned the day that I met you that you had gotten you, you were going down there. I thought. No, I mean I've I've had people ask or offer like, hey, okay, you maybe that's what go it to was. Baja, and I'm like, eh, <laughs> not I feeling it. I'm just not feeling. It. Like if I have an opportunity to go do something in Dakar and right race, try some rallies. I mean, everybody's trying to do that right now. Yeah. All off road guys, because that's honestly there's money. Um, so. I don't know. I, I would give that a shot. I have, by all means, I would have no experience doing it, but it would be a cool opportunity to go try and do it. It's just, you know, to say you did it and enjoy it for a while and see where it would go. Absolutely. Well, Gary, we're going to wrap this up. Um, I really appreciate you coming on, man. Um, uh, I'm glad I, I'm honored me. that I got to meet you and hang out with you and have lunch with you yeah. and Chris. So, uh, yeah, man, we really appreciate it and uh, look forward to hopefully getting to hang out with you again sometime soon. Heck yeah, man. Get out to California and uh, let's do some riding. I'd say I'd offer you a bike, but I don't have any right now. So <laughs> well, you have to bring your own, man. You have to bring your own. Well, I'm going to try to bring mine next time I come out. And, uh, yeah, I think you're going to – I think everything's going to work out for you. And I, I'm sure you're going to do really kick-ass this year in 2018. Awesome. Well, I appreciate it, guys. Thanks for having me on, and we'll definitely be in touch. Sounds good, Gary. Thanks, man. Yep. All right. See ya. All right. Well, that was uh, Gary Sutherland, and that was a pretty cool interview. We're about to take a little commercial break, and we'll be back with, uh, with Matt Michelia. Hey, Kylie. Does your husband have to deal with leaking shafts? No way, Kathy. He uses Shock Socks, the original and number one 10-second removable fork sill protector. Looks like the best way to keep grit and grime out of your fork sills. So, if you don't want the headache and expense of constantly replacing fork seals, get Shock Socks. Go to ShockSocks.com and visit them on Facebook to pick your color. And don't forget, they are available for street bikes too. In business since 1989, Broadway Power Sports and Tyler strives to provide a superior product with superior service. From motorcycles to watercraft, their full parts and service department, they can get you taken care of with great brands like Can-Am, Polaris, Yamaha, Suzuki, Sea-Doo, and Victory. And don't forget they have firearms too. Broadway Power Sports is your one-stop recreation shop. Broadway Power Sports can match any online price. They can have most orders by the next day for no extra charge. With a friendly staff that offers a personal touch with a smile, how could you go wrong? Call 595-6288 or click broadwaypowersports.com and save. That's 903-595-6288 and tell them Moto Xbod sent you. Dark side here. Are you guys in the market for a set of new custom graphics? Are you tired of the same old basic layouts the big box companies offer? Well, if so, then you need to check out MX Girl Designs. 
from custom graphic kits, stickers, reproductions, and even vintage, MX Girl does it all. Call or text Char at 936-828-1472 or email Char, C-H-A-R, at mxgirl.com, and that's mxgirl, G-U-R-L, and tell her Moto X-Pod sent you. Hey guys, Muscle Mark here. I want to introduce you to my friends over at York Welling and Fab. From new construction, truck beds, barbecue grills, and anything else you can come up with, York Welling and Fab has you covered. With deep motocross roots and 20 plus years experience, York Welling and Fab is a brand you can put your trust in. Call Carl at 903-780-7369. That's 903-780-7369 and tell him Moto X Pod sent you. All right, we are back. Uh, we're about to have Matt Bichelli on. I want to thank all our sponsors again real quick. All Sport Dynamic Wrist Braces, Shock Socks, MX Girl Designs, TPJ Racing, York Welding and Fab, and Broadway Power Sports. Guys, man, go go see our sponsors. Buy some products. Get some wrist braces. Get some Shock Socks. Get some graphics from uh, Charlene. She's awesome. But, hey, next up we got Matt Bichelli. Matty B, what's up, dude? Uh, not much, man. Not much. You know, I just uh, got back home here to California from a weekend in Germany. So, um, yeah, just pretty much taking it easy today. I'm super jet lagged. It was a long, uh, long couple days of traveling. I would bet. How how did uh, Germany go? It was crazy. Um, you know, the racing didn't exactly go as I had planned it. Um, you know, I had kind of a crazy couple days of traveling on the way there. We got stuck in Istanbul, Turkey, oh, wow. for like 14 hours on the way there, and then. I pretty much showed up without a single minute of sleep in three days. So, um, yeah, when I got there, you know, I put some good laps in in practice. And then in the race, you know, I was just, I was so dead by the time the races came around. Like mentally, I was just so shocked from everything. But I think I got like ninth overall or something. I got like in a pile up the first night and it was kind of a crap show. But, um, the team in Castle Suzuki that I rode for, they were super awesome, and, like, the event itself was rad. Like, I definitely hope I get to go over there again in the future and go prepared this time, you know. But, um, yeah, it was one of the most – definitely it was one of the most fun experiences I've ever had going to races. Like, it was such a such a fun time, and Germany was a really fun country to go to. It was rad. Yeah, and I bet it just felt good to line up for a race again, and you were on a, a bike that you're fairly familiar with, so – yeah, I bet it was a good experience. Yeah, for sure. It was definitely, uh, I've been to a couple of countries over there, but Germany, this was definitely the most enjoyable trip I've had, definitely. Cool, man. Well, you know, um, so the, we haven't really heard a lot of, out uh, a, a lot from you coming into 2018. Um, what does your situation for Supercross look like right now? Do you have anything in the works, anything signed? I know you've been a little um, stressed yeah. out. Yeah, you know, we, I have some things in the works. I just I can't kind of really spill the beans yet. It's okay. definitely coming together a little bit late, but um, you know, I'm definitely I'm going to be under um a good tent in 2018. Perfect. I have a good I have a good deal coming together for Supercross. So uh, yeah, so hopefully in the next week or so we'll know uh, exactly what it is and be able to spill the beans. But yeah, that's kind of um what i'm working on right now is to do a 450 supercross deal okay that's what i was going to ask if it was a 250 or 450 deal and i didn't and uh yeah yeah i knew you were a little stressed out when i've texted you in the last couple of weeks because it just you know we were just talking to gary sutherland you know um 
you know, he just won the works championship and the Heron Hound championship, and then he got let yeah. go from his team. Yeah, exactly, man. It's, How does that happen? You know, all, all in all, it's, it's, it's tough around the sport right now. You yes. know, it's, it's kind of a bummer, but, uh, you know, it, things work out, and, you know, it, it'll work out. You just got to just gotta give it time. You know, you got to be patient sometimes, and I, it's pretty tough to do that, but that's how it is. Yeah, I, I – you know, up until a year ago, I was just I was just a normal fan. You know, I didn't have any insider industry type stuff, but I've really been learning in the last year how volatile this sport can be, I guess. You know, things just go away when you lose a team like RCH. That's that's yeah. scary. Yeah, it's such a bummer, man. You yeah. know, it was, it was just sad because obviously, the, you know, a team like that specifically, um, you know, Ken won the championship with them the year before and then – you know, just being as good of a te- as being as good of a team as they were, it's it's tough to see that because, um, you know, it not only does it take spots away, um, it takes rides away, but you know, it it uh it puts a lot of good people in a tough spot. So, yeah, it's definitely tough to see a team like RCH um have that happen. But yeah, uh, that's kind of where the sport's at right now. You know, it's not a lot of not as much money as as it could have into it, but uh. You know, hopefully it can turn around, you know, in the next few years. Yeah. Well, I, I got a question that has really kind of off a different tangent here. Uh, man, I, I got to know, because I've raced against your dad a few times and stuff, and uh, yeah. the guy is awesome, man. And uh, um, how <laughs> my father wasn't a rider at the time when I was growing up riding and stuff, but, you know, how is it to ride with a dad that is so fast and so smooth, man? I just, I just, uh, how, how does that work? Yeah, it's pretty crazy, man. My dad, my dad was faster than for a lot of years. Like it took me a long time until I was, you know, until I got to the point where I was as good as he was. But, you know, I definitely wouldn't be where I, where I'm at without him. You know, he definitely had a lot of insight growing up and offered a lot of you know, advice and pretty much got me to where I was at. So, yeah, I would be where I'm, you know, at now without him. You know. Yeah, well, where, where all did where did you grow up racing at? What's what tracks and stuff around? Well, I grew up um, just outside of Portland, Oregon, actually. So I grew up racing um, Washougal, um, you know, a bunch of local tracks in in Oregon and Washington, and you know, pretty much around there. And then I I moved to texas when i was about 10 years old and you know around there started racing all the local tracks like oak hill um lake whitney was still open um you know river valley village creek all those tracks are you know the ones i grew up on they're the ones that we're all racing still nowadays you know so yeah exactly you know yeah i was a little bummed that your dad uh didn't come back to the to glen helen for the vet nationals I, i guess you guys he he came to your house stayed at your house and decided not to come back with the bad weather yeah, he he uh, it was a disaster on that Sunday morning, and he called me, and he's just like, "Hey, we're just gonna go follow and ride." And yeah. I'm like, All right, man. I was like, "I'll see you out there. I'll come out and ride too." You know. That's cool. Yeah, that was my first experience racing Glen Helen, and it was uh, it was interesting. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Glen Helen can be fun, man. I bet, I bet, uh, I bet it was pretty gnarly on sunday morning but i bet the track actually got pretty good later that day huh well i didn't ride sunday actually like i the whole situation that me going out there a buddy was going to bring my bike at the last minute he couldn't make it so i was just gonna i was already flying out anyway i just was gonna go hang out and rich taylor offered me a bike 
And, yeah. Uh, but he wasn't going to be there Sunday, and I didn't know that till Saturday morning. Um, with like there was two practices left when I signed up because I thought I was racing Sunday. He got there and was like, "Hey, man, we're not going to be here tomorrow. So if you want to race, do it. You can have to do it today." And I ran to the sign up, got signed in, and the only practice that was left was the pro practice with Brownie and uh, Metcalf and those guys. And I'd never been on that track. I'm just a novice rider. And I was on a you know bike I'd never been on, so that was just really interesting. That's all I can say is going up the you know or coming down Mount St. Helens the first time with those guys blowing by me was one of the scariest moments I've ever had on a bike. <laughs> Upshifting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it, it's rad though, huh? Yeah, it was. It was. It was really a cool thing. I mean, honestly, I don't know if that's a track I'd want to ride at every weekend, but it was cool. Yeah, no, definitely not. Yeah, so hey, man, so what kind of training have you been doing preparing? I know, like, we just talked about you, you got a deal coming together, and you, but that's kind of been up in the air. What have you been doing to training to prepare? Um, Honestly, right now, I haven't been able to spend like, that much time on the bike okay. um, just because my deal's not done yet. But uh, Suzuki's taking care of me, and they're, they've given me a bike to ride. And uh, obviously, I spend quite a bit of time cycling, um, specifically this year, so. Um, I do a lot of cycling, uh, spend a lot of time in the gym. I've, you know, even though I haven't been spending as much time on the bike as I would have liked the last month or so, um, I've really like kept up my fitness and I'm doing what I can off the bike. So that way when I, when I get back on the bike, I can get up to speed and, uh, you know, my fitness will be where it's at right. where it needs to be, um, as quick as I can, you know? Well, that's cool, man. So you may not be able to answer this question. Uh, does that mean you're going to be on Suzuki's? Uh, yeah, that's what it's looking like right now. Okay, cool, um, cool. That'd be good for you then. They've, uh, they've taken care of me very well over the last couple of years. So, um, you know, I'm, I'm excited to, uh, it sounds like I'm going to be working with them again. And, um, we'll just have to see how the year goes, man. I'm just to get going and get, get, you know, get tested, get everything ready for A1. And yeah, it's dope. Awesome, yeah. You know, and, and unfortunately with the way the sport is, somebody's bound to get hurt, and I, I, I know you have the ability, so I think you'll be up there, you know, run, getting some good finishes, and, you know, hopefully a, a couple rounds in, maybe you'll get something, you know, maybe you'll get a, a, a I don't know what your deal is, so I, but hopefully you'll get something that's, get you back on, a you know, a factory team or something like that pretty quickly. Yeah, yeah. So, unfortunately, I don't like to see anything happen to anybody just, you know, Obviously, I've kind of been in that situation sure. this year. So. Um, but, you know, that's the reality of it is things do happen, you know, especially this time of year when everybody's you know, wide open going towards A1. And, um, you know, that's just how it is. But, yeah, you know, it, I'm just, no, nah, you know, I've just feel that's coming together. I'm, I'm pretty pumped on it. So um, I'm going to be taken care of really well. And um, so we'll just, yeah, see ya. See how she goes at A1, man. We got about a month left, and, yeah, it's coming up quick. Plenty time. Plenty time. Oh, yeah. Plenty of time, man. He's still a lot in a month. Right. Derek? Whoa. Nothing right now? <laughs> Nothing right well, now. Well, I, I really appreciate you coming on. Um, man, I, I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing you at Houston. Well, I'll be at Houston and Dallas, and I'm going to try to make Vegas, too. So, I, uh, I look forward to uh, watching you crush it this year. Well, hey, man, I appreciate it. Yeah, I, I can't wait, man. Raising a, raising a 450 full-time in Supercross is a big deal. So, yeah, you know, I'm, I'm excited. 
I'm excited. Big deal for me. You know, I've raced the 450 the last couple of years, but never in, in Supercross. So, um, you know, I'm like I said, I'm excited to uh, move forward and see what we can do. Absolutely. I'm looking forward to it, Matt. And, uh, yeah, man, I'm going to get that jersey from you, too. <laughs> yeah, dude. Hey, hey, I'm telling you. Um, I have I have one for you. I'm going to have one for you soon. As soon as I get new gear, I'll have a 58 for you. Well, just, yeah, just hang on to it, and I'll get it from you at Houston or something. That way I'll save you some shipping costs. <laughs> Hey, man, I don't care. I'll mail it to you, bro. All right, Matt. Man, I really appreciate it. Uh, look look forward to some good things out of you this year. And uh, let's – let's nothing against Kyle Peters, but let's show him what's up. Oh, he's going to be riding 250, so never mind. <laughs> I'll, be, uh, I'll be on the fourth. So, yeah, well, yeah, I'm excited. Yeah, can't wait, man. Thanks for coming on. We really appreciate it. And uh, we'll talk to you soon. Right on. Awesome. Thank you, guys. All right, Matt. All right. Take care, man. Right on. Matt Michelle, yeah. Yeah, you know, we, we claim him as a Texas boy, so we definitely want good things out of him. Most definitely. I've enjoyed watching him ride and yeah. come up through the ranks. And, uh, you know, the guy's fast, and he's got a lot of talent, a lot of skill. Right on. Well, all right, we're going to uh, cut this off for just a second, get Kiefer on the line, we'll be right back. All right, we're back. Uh, up next, everybody knows Chris Kiefer. Everybody loves Chris Kiefer. He is a Pulp MX former dirt rider uh editor and he is keeper inc keeper mx r and d you guys will listen to his pods that he does with gary sutherland and all his testing what's up chris keeper hey guys how are you derek dark side what's up man just uh sitting here enjoying this uh tuesday night it's a little cold in texas tonight so just yeah it's actually cold here in the dens dude it's kind of always cold out there at night, though, isn't it? Well, nowadays, yeah, it's like down to thirties at night. So. Yeah, I don't, I don't know what the temperature is outside, but yesterday it was like seventy, and then today got cold. Just <laughs> crazy yeah, weather out here. Time of year. Yeah, it's crazy. But uh, so, what's been going on, man? I mean, you're doing all. I, I see you're doing some uh, gear testing. I, you probably can't talk a lot about that, but is it going well? Yeah. So actually, uh, that's been going in i would say now three months i've been hitting gear, 2018 gear stuff kind of since it all came out in august and i uh, had to bust through i couldn't even tell you, maybe 15 to 20 sets of gear so i try to get all all those buttoned up before next week and do that podcast next week but i ride in at least two to three hours of engine hours uh, in each set of gear so we have some good feedback so there's a little bit of durability involved, but yeah. Uh, yeah besides that, that's just been got wrapped up shootouts. Um, tomorrow night, I'm getting ready to go to the Husky, um, what they're calling the Rockstar Edition intro. You know, KTM had theirs yesterday. Right. So uh, yeah, it's that time of year for me. It's super busy, and not to mention all the testing that I have going on that I can't talk about. <laughs> but uh, but yeah, it's always fun, man. I. I love riding dirt bikes, and uh, you know me, Dark Side. I'm all about it. So, oh yeah, I um, love I love the fact that you ride dirt bikes during the week for your job, and then you go out with Aiden and your buddies and ride on the weekends. That's just freaking awesome. Yeah, yeah, I love it. You know, it's, I don't know if Heather likes it that much when I bail it on weekends, but she tags <laughs> along with us. We went up to uh, Bishop last week and rode with uh, Pat Foster, which he tests for Dawn at Transworld. Okay, and uh, did this little, you know little race up there and for a little arena cross so me and travis preston and pat and we all dick measure you know saturday 
and uh, come home on Sundays and hang out on the couch and watch football. So that's a good program. Oh, yeah, yeah. So uh, your son, Aiden, it looks like he was involved with a, a little testing. How's he, how's he liking doing that? You know, I try to teach him the right way. It's tough. He's 11, right? Sure. So he thinks he's thinks he's badass so he gets all this free shit so i tried him i try to like ground him and like hey man it doesn't work that way you're just lucky that's what i do for a living because shit when i was 11 i was lucky to get a bike every three to four years so um he has chores to do he has things that he has to do around the house to to, to keep that stuff alive for him but uh yeah i'm gonna do an 85 comparison with a yamaha and uh kawasaki and probably either a ktm or a husky um, just because I know a lot of my listeners have children and their families and they want to know what they're going to buy for the kids. And, yeah. you know, like I always say in my post, I always want to keep kids on dirt bikes. You know, that's our, that's our future. That's, that's something that we need to get their cell phones out of their hands and get them on uh, a seat in the throttle, you know? So, uh, absolutely. Um, it's good for him. He man. loves it. He actually, he, he loves it, dude. Like he didn't really start getting into dirt bikes until he was like nine years old. And then he started going on YouTube and, now he's like, oh, Dad, you see James Stewart in 2004 do this? I'm like, bro, <laughs> please. I know all about that. Yeah, right. That's awesome, man. I, I love seeing his posts and stuff because it's really cool. You know, I mean, when you, you try to think of the 11-year-old's mentality, like you say, man, they, they, they know it all. They're the best at everything. And I love, I just love watching his little posts, man. I think it's awesome. Yeah, no, it's cool. Actually, we uh, – um, so Carson Mumford bought Alessi's old property up here. Yeah. And so he has several tracks, and we'll go up there, and I'll do some testing and 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 ride up there, and I'll bring Aiden, and he thinks Carson, you know, the shit. So, uh, one day I rolled up, and Buddy Antonez trains Carson a little bit. So, Buddy's like, "Hey, do you want Aiden just to come with us for the day?" And so I had testing to do. So Aiden went with his group all day, and and uh, so Buddy relayed the message to me at the end of the day, like, "Here, here's what Aiden needs to work on." Blah 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 blah. And, and on the way home, Aiden's like, yeah, Dad, buddy, taught me this, this, this. I'm like, Aiden, I've been telling you this for two years, dude. <laughs> and he doesn't care, but Dad, Dad doesn't know shit, right? Right. Like buddy Antonez, he knows, he knows everything. So Yeah, that's um, typical. I get it. I get it, man. I was that age, too. I didn't listen to my dad either. I listened to my buddies. So. Right. Well, I got a question. You're doing the gear testing. You're talking about how many hours you've been doing this stuff and how many months do you kind of combine your testing sometimes? So when you're doing the 450 shootout and riding, are you testing gear too? I try to. It's tough for me because I have obligations to wear certain types of gear at certain times, you know, because obviously Fly is a big supporter of my, my podcast. So I try to wear Fly a lot because I love Dale and Max over there. But, you know, obviously, keyframe testing, you know, we're not biased. So we got to, yeah. you know, wear all different kinds of shit. But, yeah, I try to kill two birds with one stone on most occasions and if i have a test or let's say i have some durability testing coming up this week i'll wear you know two sets of gear during the day just to try to you know knock all that stuff out so when i get ready for the podcast i know i have equal amount of time on everything and how many how do you choose like with the gear testing there's so many brands and then each brand has different lines how do you choose where to cut off and say all right i, I can't test every single line from every single brand there's just no way it's too much time how do you pick or, or do the gear companies come to you um well it's a little bit of both actually i'm not going to go try to hunt down wolf sport you know <laughs> back in the day and try to get all that shit but uh you know i i know what most you know what what retailers sell with chaparral rocky mountain atv or 
you know, BPO. I, I try to get the major brands that are out there and then some scarce ones like Shot, you know, FXR, those guys are trying to break into the U.S. market, so I make sure I include them. Um, but I try to encompass as much as I can, and if companies reach out to me, of course, I'm going to say absolutely, I'll test your stuff and I'll put it in there, but uh, I have a list of about, you know, 15, you know, companies, and I try to uh, hit as many as I can. I may miss some at some occasion, yeah. but um, I kind of know what's out there and what's not. So I got a question, being that I'm a larger fella, and, uh, you know, yeah. sometimes I find it a little hard to find gear to stay stay under me when I'm riding. you have any other any other guys that, you know, like larger guys that you do some testing for some of their gear? Because I've had, you know, some, I'm not going to name the brands, but I've had some brands that just didn't last underneath, you know, because of the yeah. – the stitching and stuff like that. Right. So it's, that's a good question. Um, so I have guys that I use that are in my shootout that are larger fellas that I do disperse gear to at times. But for this shootout, um, I had to kind of rein everything in just for the simple fact of making everything, in fact, making sure everything is uniform and everything has the same amount of time on it. So yeah. um, what I try to do, is they have, you know, a lot of gear companies have different lines of gear. Some are tighter, you know, which you, Derek, I don't think you would like that. Being a larger guy, you want some room, you want some flexibility. So I try to get some midline level gear, and I'll review that and give you guys the feedback where there is some more room for your knee braces. Or uh, just for example, you had Gary on um, your podcast tonight. Yeah, yeah. And Gary has fucking club foot man he is his calves and his feet it's like one thing all the way down so <laughs> what he has trouble with is finding some pants um that he could uh it fits good around his calves and boots the very top of his boots he can never fit it over his his calves because the calves are so damn huge so um i kind of take that all into account when i go do testing and he has a set of gear that you know he rides with so i kind of Combine all this and give you guys the feedback. Yeah, right. could I use could I use a 240-pound dude and then a 150-pound dude? Yes, and I think that's what I want to do when I grow and I get more guys on my team. But right now, I'm just, you know, I'm only six months into my, right. my keepering project, so I try to do as much as I can um, when I can on my own. Well, I, I can commiserate with Gary on that because yeah. me and, me and – uh, me and Darkside have talked about that a few times when I was inquiring about boots because I've got 22-inch calves, and I can't wear knee braces in the top that go into the top of the boots either because you know boots just won't close all the way on my calves. So, right. Kiefer, he's been know. wearing pants outside of his boots. So I've been trying to get a sponsor from uh, Tractor Supply <laughs> because I wear overalls a lot of times when we race, you know. And, uh, yeah, yeah. But, so, okay, let me, let me ask you this. What do you have right now as far as pants that work? Well, right now I am wear, I'm uh, uh, wearing some fly gear, and uh, I'm also just got into where I can actually buckle a set of Tech 7s. And I've uh, right. been riding with the old Scots, and I had some jet boots because jets allowed with the larger tops. So you could go with the, you know, the fat guy top. And, uh, but yep, Jets, yep. you can't buy them in the United States anymore, or I hadn't been able to find them, so I went to Tech 7s. Yep, absolutely. So it's funny you say that, because I just did a, a Fox 180 boot review, and 
people weren't stoked on the silicone strap that the 180 uses on very, on the very top of the boot. Um, it's not like a normal traditional buckle. So, is um, it stretch? What, what or? They, yeah, so it's like a silicone strap that stretches, but they give you four different options up top to where you can set that strap. So you can really like have a big um, opening for your your leg, and if you wore knee braces, so you could stretch that silicone um, strap around and have a tight fit. So I, I feel like uh, stuff like that is something that everyone needs to know about, and not everyone's built the same. Hell, I'm a I'm a I'm all dick and ribs, right? So I'm 165 <laughs> pounds, 70 pounds. So you're you're a real man, as you know, as my wife would call it, like. You're a real man. I'm just like a, a man child over here. So um, there's more there's more uh, guys out there that are built honestly like you than there is like me. So I try to remember that when I go do testing. Yeah, yeah and you've you've been uh, you you've pointed me in the right direction testing wise or product wise numerous times. Like the the Pro Taper Fusion bars. Uh, I just ordered my Tech Tens Friday. The uh, light hydrogen gear, numerous different things you've set me straight on. So yeah, you, you definitely know what you're doing, and I, I'm really, I really think it's awesome that you're getting to do this full time now. I think long term this is going to be just an awesome career for you. Your your business is going to grow. Well, here's the here's the deal. Like when I was at Dirt Rider, I really took a lot of pride in my work, and some of the things when I was at Dirt Rider you can't do because you had advertisers and you had to please certain people and I would turn in my work at times and be like hey you have to adjust this and this and I'm like well that's not what I felt they're like well hey you can't really speak that way in our magazine and and with me and you know me dark side like I'm what you see is what you get yep. I'm pretty black and white and I, I feel like dirt bike people aren't polished people we're all um, you know we have schooling but we're not proper type of people, you know. So I try to make my test as organic as possible. Um, I was brought up when you shake a guy's hand, uh, you look him in the eye, and your word is everything. So um, I try to use that, um, what my father taught me back in the day, with my testing now. So um, I know how expensive this, this sport is. Mm -hmm. um, so And when people bank on the things that I say, and they go buy that stuff, I take it to heart. You know, it's like me spending their money for them, and I don't want to fuck that up. So. Right, yeah. Well, and, and I think people know that for the most part. I mean, you know, Mathis likes to bust your balls about being Blue Crew, and, you know, and that's you're going to show favoritism, but you don't, and that's shown from your, your tests. And, yeah, I think, I think everybody really respects you for what you do. Yeah, thanks, man. I appreciate it. And honestly, like, I yeah, you're right. I love Yamaha's. Um, I have a lot of friends over there at Yamaha, but, I mean, they'll all tell you the same thing. If anything, I'm more critical with them than I are with anyone else just because they're, you know, they're a little closer to me. So if something's not very, you know, very good, they get, you know, the brunt end of that. And right. uh, I've said this before, even with Mathis, I don't care what color it is. I don't give a shit. If it's a good bike, I want it in my garage and I want to ride it. So plain and simple. And if it's not, I will let you guys know it's not. And if it is, I'll let you know if it is. So it just so happens that the way I ride, I really do like a Yamaha, especially the 18 Yamaha. I really do like it. But um, actually, I'm looking at this new KTM, and I'm really liking the way this new KTM looks, too. Well, I bleed red, man. I'm a Honda guy, and I, I love the 15 that I got, you know. And I'm, But 
honestly, all the have bikes. You ridden the, have you ridden the new bike yet? Have no, you ridden the new Honda? No, I don't have access to that kind of stuff like you do, man. If, I mean, if a buddy shows up I'll, I'll with one, I'd ask to ride it, but so far, no. So what if I get you out here next year for a shootout? You come out? Of course. Okay, well, let's just plan on that. So get your ass on some new bikes next year. Hey, I'm down. And you can kind of, you can be like the heavy metal opinion in my shootout, <laughs> right? I like it. You can, you can you can throw up the horns and you can talk with the horns out the whole time. Hell yeah. And uh, I think uh, I think it'd be fun. But yeah, no, the dude, compared to the 15 Honda, the new Honda is much better. Obviously, the spring fork and yeah. the new chassis, but uh yeah. Yeah, I'm still trying to figure that out. You know, again, I've told you I'm not the fastest of guys, and I don't notice all the little things that you talk about sometimes. But I, I've been trying to focus more on paying attention to some of those things, and I do notice the air fork reacts weird in certain situations where, with my 06, it wouldn't have done what the 15 does. Right, and that's the thing. It's not like the air fork. I mean, I talk a lot of shit on the air fork, and it's not the best fork. But what the main difference is compared to a spring fork is that what you just said, it reacts different. Mm-hmm. It'll change throughout the day. It'll never be the same. If you hit the same bump the same way at 10 o'clock and then you do it again at 2 o'clock, um, it, it, it's a whole different feeling. And with the spring fork, yeah, the bump may be a little bit bigger, but you still get that same feeling through your bars, you know? Yeah. So yeah, that's you... the tough part. And, 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 and you look at all the manufacturers now. Look how they're they're going back to spring fork. I bet you a lot of money. Kawasaki goes back to spring fork in nineteen. Um, I don't know if if KTM or Husky will, but you can guarantee you know Yamaha sticking with the spring fork and getting rave you know reviews. Um, the Jap- other Japanese manufacturers take note and they're going to go back to spring fork because the consumer. It's not going to stand for it, you know? Yeah, well, and not even so much because of the performance, but just stuff you got, you've got. you talked about in the past where we're kind of lazy. We don't want to check the air pressure every time we ride. You know, it's just... Yeah, I mean, how excited are you when you get to the track and then your buddies are already on the track and you're dicking with your fork Dude, for three hours? I was thinking about that last weekend because I got out to the track, same time my buddies did, and I'm like, oh, i got to set up my, my canopy and my goggles and my my wrist braces and all the stuff that I'm dealing with, my X-brand stuff I'm dealing with. And then I'm like, oh, shit, I still got to check air pressure on the tires and the forks. I'm just ready to go home. Yeah, man, you got to bring your chick, you got to teach your chick how to check the air fork pressure. Yeah. Or you got to bring a man friend out with you to do all that. (laughs) Well, you know, know, with this testing, you had mentioned trying to uh, come out east next year. So just to put the bug in your ear, you know, my my co-hosts who aren't in tonight, we were actually texting about it earlier today. We're like, hey, if Kiefer comes out this way, tell him to come to this track and tell him to come to this track. So... We have a lot of we have access to a lot of tracks out here that get really good, really good dirt, really good ruts. Um, oh yeah, yeah. Are you so are you familiar with Shannon I'm gonna, Day? I'm gonna, oh. Yeah, so I'm gonna drop this on here. Okay. I haven't even told any. I haven't even dropped this on my podcast. So my plan is is I'm gonna migrate. I'm gonna do my my shootouts here on the West Coast. Get that done yeah. because all the bikes are here, close. They come out early. We'll get it out of the way. And then we'll eventually migrate east, which I will have the caravan with me. And I will stop to Texas because, obviously, Seiji is a big part of what I do over here. Yeah. And uh, I want to go around near where – I don't know where you live compared to where Seiji is, but I know Red Rock's over there, um, and Three Palms. I want to kind of hit those areas 
Okay. And then uh, eventually just go back to either South Carolina or North Carolina in that area and right over there. So, yeah, for sure, my, my middle my middle stop was Texas, for sure. Nice. Well, yeah, Three Palms is about uh, four it's hours, about- three and a half hours south of us, but that's not much. And uh, you know who Hal is, right? He calls in all the time, get data. He, he's got the get yeah, data. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hal lives down that way, and um, he rides out there a lot. And that's, that's a place that we could crash and save some hotel expenses and – but, uh, yeah, there's a lot of tracks around here. Shannon and I Day just opened up a facility to the public up here that has, like, I think it has a mini supercross track, a GP track, a vet track, and he's building, like, a Loretta Lens replica track. So there's just some really great That's facilities out here. Man, there's places to ride. Yeah. We'll, we'll get you hooked up for sure. Yeah, I think it's important, too, man. Like, I've been getting heat even when I was that dirt rider, about, oh, you guys are not even riding on good dirt. You know, our bikes are different out here. And I've listened to this for about six or seven years, and I'm kind of, you know, in agreement with all those people. It's like, man, they're right. And then when I went to Loretta yep. this year, and I chose the KTM to go ride because I really like the bike out here, I thought that was the best choice for me back there. And then the bike's completely different um, in that kind of a condition. So, that just proved to me right there. As soon as I left Loretta's, I made up my mind. I go, hey, I'm really going to focus in on trying to get some extra money to uh, make that happen. And I think me doing that will kind of change the way shootouts are run and hopefully kind of change the game a little bit. Just kind of everyone can um, get in on that and, and encompass a wide range of riders, not just West Coast dirt, you know? Yeah, I agree. Uh, we're excited about it. So we, uh, yeah, all my, myself and Mark and TJ from the show, like we just, we want to come and even if we don't really get, we're able to be involved, we want to come hang out and watch it go down and just, you know, be a part of it. So we're, we're pretty stoked. I wish it wasn't a year away. Yeah. <laughs> put you guys to work. Let's go. I'm Let's in. do it. All right. Well, hey, we'll, we'll uh, stamp it now. It's Yeah. So before we wrap this up, Chris, um, let's switch gears just a little bit. Supercross is about to kick off. Um, what do you expect out of Supercross this year? Anyone, anyone that you think would be a big surprise? What are your expectations? Uh, we talked a little bit about this on the show when I was on with Grant, and uh, yeah, he's claiming he's claiming Marvin, which I yeah, I'm not going to deny that Marvin's going to be good. But I also see, I also see, Jason Anderson's going to be good. And I also see Roxton. And people are kind of like, I don't know if Roxton's going to show up. I don't know which one. I don't know if he's going to do anything. Tony, you right now, got a little snippet of him riding. I watched him ride. Mm-hmm. I think he's going to be really, really good. And I don't. I, he's mentally strong as a rider. So Agreed. if if here's the big if if his arm is okay, which yeah, it's fucked up, right? We all know this. But I've had early elbow injury myself and I can extend my left arm as, as much as I used to. Um, you have you get used to it and the doctors that he's had with that thing, I think he's going to be just fine and I honestly think he's going to win races and tend to the championship. Yeah, I don't. That see. being said, I don't. That being said, last thing, that being said, I watched Cooper Webb as well. Okay. And he's under, under the radar. No one's talking about Cooper. Um, he wasn't pumped on his bike last year. Um, he liked his bike a lot better this year. And from what I hear, he's working Barsha on the daily at the Mont track. So um, I don't know what that holds clout for anybody out there, but <laughs> he, is, he is going fast, so I expect him to be up there too. So for the championship, 
I'm not going to waffle. I'm going to say, I'm going to say Rocks for the championship. Nice. Okay. Okay. I like it. So, red, red. <laughs> yeah, boy. You know I do. Yeah, I like it, man. I wish I'm looking forward to it. Thankfully, Houston is round two, so we'll get to a get to go to an early one, and I can't wait. Hey, how was Gary on? Was it good? Yeah, he was really good, dude. Um, yeah, we we talked a little bit about the uh, the team letting him go and how bummed he was, and him struggling to try to find something with not much time before the season kicks off again. We talked about uh, just. We, we, I asked him some like some scariest stories while riding, while racing, some things that happened out in the desert, and it was very entertaining. Oh, man, he's yeah. such a good dude. Sure. I'm so glad that I got a chance to meet him while hanging out with you because I'm one of those guys that really didn't pay much attention to off road because it's not mainstream. It's just not out there very much. But I, I'm all in with Gary now, man. I can't wait to see what he does this year. Yeah, Gary's just like just like Derek over there. He's a real man. He's uh... a <laughs> He's, he's straight up, dude. There's no bullshit. Sometimes I think he's got more of a filter than he does for, for his own good, but he does it, and that's just Gary. And, uh, yeah, it puts me like I do not understand how he doesn't have a ride. He has two number one And the team kind of, you know, effed him over by yep. bailing out on him, you know. But uh, it, it's so gnarly in our industry that you can win two championships, and he's searching for, for a ride. Like, can't even get – I mean, that's how bad it is. Yeah, he was was telling us that, and and it is. I I don't think, like, the moto industry would be quite that bad. I mean, if a guy wins a championship, they're going to have a ride. But it just seems like with what he was telling us about off-road, there's not near as much money, obviously, and there's not near the the big teams. And everybody else was pretty much already signed. But he was telling us that what he did last year, he did on a bone stock bike pretty much, other than suspension that Ty Davis did. So I, I hope that he and, and the, go ahead. The thing too is he wrenches on his own shit. Yeah, uh, he trains. Everything's on his own. Like yeah, the team gave him the bikes and you know all and the money and all that too. But man, the dude just he works his balls off and his whole heart's into it. And uh, he's he's mentally strong. He's a I give him shit because I feel like I'm a better technique of a rider than him. But when it comes time to the, the flag drops, the gate drops, whatever the hell he's doing, he mentally gets his shit together and he rides really good. Yeah. Yeah, well, I hope he goes out there. If he has to do it on his own for a little while, goes out there and kicks those guys' asses on his own and shows them that they shouldn't let him go. It makes them regret. Yeah, I agree, man. I, I think they should have kept them at least another year and kind of gave him a warning, like, hey, it's your last year. At least give him some bikes and parts and some shit to deal with. You know, that just and hey, we don't got anything for you. I, I just don't understand it. I, I don't either, man. When you posted that the other day, I was it, it, I was kind of gutted. Yeah, you know, me too. It's like, hey, you signed for your deal, so he has a family and and a and a mortgage to do. You know, it's like, hey, if you if you're that businessman that's giving the guy a three year deal, you should already knew what you were getting yourself into, especially if the bonus program was something you too like i don't i don't get it man like yeah yeah it's not cool and, and, and unfortunately we've seen that in the moto side too just contracts don't mean anything apparently yep yep I, exactly like travis same thing travis dude yep. and he was one of the few guys that actually caught off his ass and, and did something about it other guys just say oh fuck it you know but travis was like nope that's my money you owe it to me and and sued him and won and and that's just the kind of guy travis is you know but 
there was a clause in Gary's contract that says they could pull out at any time, so it's nothing that he can do, you know? Right. Yeah, I think I've heard Mathis say that before, that most of those contracts now say that. Like, they're basically not worth the paper they're wrote, written on anymore. Yeah, well, it's just, the thing is, it's, it's in there, but most of the companies don't usually just pull the rug out from underneath the rider, you know? They kind of, like, honor it and say, hey, we'll give you X amount instead of this amount, so that way you're not out anything, you know? Yeah, so, uh, I guess that's just maybe company to company, some are better than others. Like, yeah, JT's spoken about that with Fly when a rider gets hurt, that they don't necessarily have to pay them, but they do. So, right, just like Davey. I think Davey's yeah. getting, still getting paid, and he hasn't even fucking did anything yet for Yamaha. So. Right, right. Yeah, it's it's. I, I guess I'm glad I'm not in their boat. You know, we I've been texting with Matt Michelia a bunch in the last few weeks. You know, just hey man, have you got anything yet? And he's just he was so stressed out. It's like, how does this guy not have a ride? I mean, I know he's been hurt, but he has the talent. He's he has the ability. But nobody gave him a deal, you know. And he has something now. He he wasn't able to say what it was yet. But it's just crazy that guys with this much talent it's, don't have anything. It's funny, like, racing's awesome, right? Racing's so fun. Racing dirt bikes, I love it. But the stress level that comes with racing um, at that level yeah. makes, makes riding the dirt bike less fun. And then when these guys get burned or it doesn't go the way they want, it, it kind of leaves a sour taste of, of riding a dirt bike, you know, in their mouth. Yeah. They end up saying, fuck dirt bikes, fuck the industry, it's all bullshit. Well, in fact, it's not really the industry, it's the people behind the industry that make it that way. It's And I told Gary that, I go, dude, when you're done riding, everything professionally and you're all done, you're going to have so much fun riding your dirt bike. Right. And you'll probably end up riding better because there's less stress involved, you know? Yeah. So... And I guess it's just big business, maybe in general, because you were talking about that a minute ago. It made me think of like the music industry, how a lot of the bands, especially in the 70s and 80s, just got screwed out of their money, and it made them hate the business because the business took all the fun out of it. And then they go, you know, and they get their own, they do their own record labels or whatever, and, and then they're having fun again. It's just, it's big business destroying art and entertainment. Yep. Yeah. And, and I wrote an article today, it'll be on. Mathis' site last night about people are complaining, oh, the KTM are getting expensive and yeah. they're, you know, forcing all the other manufacturers to go that, to, to up their prices because they're getting better. And I'm, I kind of got pissed off a little bit and I wrote an article. I'm like, look, I would love to go buy a fucking Ford Raptor, right? <laughs> but I'm a middle class, so I got to know where I can spend my money and I'll go, I'm, I'll go buy a Dodge Ram. So that's, to me, it's kind of like the two-stroke of the truck world, you know, it's like, hey, I can afford a new truck, but this I can afford. Right. And, it's, it's, and dirt biking is no different, man. Like, if you can't spend eleven grand on a factory edition, well, there's other things that you can spend your money on in a new bike and still enjoy the sport. So sure. I don't really agree with the evolution of dirt bikes killing um, the newbies out there. I think, yeah, we do need something out there that, is a baseline motorcycle for beginners. I, that's missing in our in our sport. But as far as evolving, you know, four strokes and getting them better, I'm all for it because I like all the technology. And and if you can't afford it, there's two strokes, there's 125, there's 250 two strokes, there's 250 s. There's all kinds of stuff that you could look and, and get yourself into. You know, exactly. Well, that's 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 something I want to ask a little bit more about. Uh, you know, we go to the races 
every weekend or every other weekend as much as we can. And what I'm seeing out here is, and it used to in the like the Texas series back in the 70s. I mean, there was three different gates of 125 intermediates and 125 novices, and and uh, there would be a, over a hundred entries just for the 125 and the 250 class. All right, now you know you go to the races, and there may be 20 entries for and, and for the kids, and uh, the biggest classes are the uh, the vets. And what right. what can we do, or what do you think we should do, or or what uh, direction should we get to try and get more of these kids and the families in? Because it's hard for a family, a middle class family like you or me and uh, others that I know, to go and spend twelve thousand dollars on a motorcycle and you know on big bikes, and then you know five six thousand dollars for a mini bike. So how do you how do we get these kids into it? Well, I think honestly, Derek. Uh, the evolution of the bike, right? So it's getting a little bit better. I think technology, not in dirt bikes, but cell phones, internet, um, computers, um, it kind of drove some of that younger generation away because I see it in my kid. If I'm not on him a little bit, he will, you know, go play his PlayStation. He will go on his phone. But if I say, hey, let's go ride a dirt bike, he's in. But then you got these families that don't have know access to the dirt bike so yeah. they go see these expensive four strokes and they think that's what they need to go yeah. racing because they have johnny down the street with a new yz250f no that's what i need to, to get well in reality you can go buy a you know a used two stroke and go do it that way but i think the perception of the people out there is that they need all the new shit to go be competitive yeah. And then also, I also think for me out here is what I don't like in the West Coast races is when I go to a motocross race, I sit around all fucking day <laughs> and I ride eight laps, right? Yep, and there's, I, third, I rather, there's 36 motos. Right. So <laughs> these off-road races that are hour and a half long, these guys are riding longer, and I think it's it's worth their money to go. I think what, what I, I told these guys out here, why don't you schedule moto races like GPs and be like, you know, from 8 to 12, you know, X amount of classes will be ran. Um, we'll have a break for an hour, and then these other classes can be ran, and then we will do the motos like that. So that way, you know, your motos are between 8 to noon. You get there early, and you're out by 1 o'clock. If your motos in the afternoon, you can show up late and get your motos in at 1 o'clock. I don't know. I just think it needs to be ran a little bit different, so... There's not yeah. as much downtime well, for people paying out, you know. Well, that's what we did back here, back in the in the '70s stuff in the early '80s. We had split programs: the the novices and the uh, the powder puffs and stuff. They ran in the mornings, and then in the afternoons we had the intermediates and the pros. You know, that's that's they yeah. showed up. You know, around ten thirty, eleven o'clock, and the novices were running. And uh, I mean, it was it was a whole lot better back then. But also, you didn't have to go mortgage your house to to buy a motorcycle <laughs> and. Uh, well, and also that, too, is like it's, it's a good program. So if you're a novice kid and, and you do want to stick around all day, you can watch the pros in the afternoon. But and, if you don't, you can bounce. Yeah, you know? learn so, something. Yeah. Yeah, that's a, actually right. we, so, have a, we have a uh, segment on our show that Mark came up with called Locals Only. We discussed that stuff with guys all over the country. We've had Gringo on for that and uh, talk about, like, just ways to make the racing better. And so one of our buddies mentioned, like, with the typical – Sunday motocross event days, maybe switching up where the kids, like, you know, the 50s, 60s, and 80s were in the morning, and then all the big bikes were in the afternoon. That way, if you don't have a kid, you just show up at noon, 
and race. If you're if you have a kid and you're racing, you're gonna be there all day anyway. But that way right. you're not stuck there for the entire eight hours, hoping that they don't cut your laps at the end. And yeah, there, there's definitely some things I think track owners could do to make things better, but it would involve everybody agreeing. And also, too, honestly, man, like I also think social media, internet, all that can hurt our sport a little bit as well just for the simple fact that people are aware of how many injuries there are back in the day when i was little i mean i'm sure just as much happened but i didn't know about it because yeah. i couldn't have access to it right so sure. now these parents are seeing these people either paralyzed or getting killed or, or breaking bones and they're like well it's not going to do that it's it's a fucking death i can't get on that you know? i mean I get that shit still to this day when I go to the hospital. They're like, what do you do? I go, I ride dirt bikes. They're like, oh, those death machines. And I'm like, yeah, wow, right. it's still out there. Like, that perception is still out there. Yeah. So uh, I think that kind of hurt that as well, you know. So uh, I just think technology is great in some areas, and then sometimes it hurts us in other areas. Well, I kind of attribute that a little bit more towards me and – uh, you know, Darks, I was talking about that earlier tonight before the show started. You know, I'm I'm more of a traditional outdoor motocross guy, and I'm if you know my beliefs are if I wanted to see a a aerial show, you know, I'd go to the airport. You know, and uh, yeah, now I mean it's it's uh, for some of us big guys and stuff. I mean, you know, running the forty plus class and fifty plus class. Um, I mean, some of these jumps are just ridiculous. You know, I mean, throwing you 30, 40 foot up in the air. You know, back uh, when I when I when I grew up, started racing. I mean, we had jumps and stuff, but they threw you down the track. You know, lengthwise, mm-hmm. not straight up in the right. air. You know, but we did only have six inches of travel and wooden spokes in the wheels and and all that back then. You know, where now, you know, I mean, you got twelve, thirteen inches of travel and and uh, you know everybody wants to see you know someone fly super high and clear you know clear a ninety foot you know double you know and it's just. I attribute right. a lot of that uh, that problem right there is is what I think is 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 building you know a lot of the decline in the motocross. Yeah, you know we have vet tracks and main tracks out here in California, and and I get older guys um, bitching at me like, "Oh, this track's too hard." And I go, "Well, there's a vet track over here." And like, "Well, it sucks. It's not prepped good." So I I feel like the the track owners prep the main really good because that's where most of the dudes usually are. But when I look over at the vet track, there's a shit ton of rats over there, and I just feel like they could prep bulk equally, and that would attract, you know, and, and bring back the vet guy that doesn't want to go hit those 90-foot kickers that you're talking about, you know? Right. Yeah. Yeah, we have a lot of tracks out here that are kind of that way. Two of my favorite tracks in this area is Johnsonville, MX Farm, and he doesn't have anything out there that's going to get you killed. And it's just amazing layout, though. And then the, the track I mentioned earlier, which is called the Edge that Shannon Nide owns, He's got a vet track that's got some booters, but they're they just kind of they're safe. They're like little step ups that throw you up pretty high, but not real far. You know, it's just it's really a chill track and it's just fun and I, that def, definitely makes it more fun for somebody like me who just doesn't have the nuts to go for the big huge jumps anymore. Yeah, yeah, I know. And, and honestly, to me, I love jumping. I still love it. Yeah, I like hitting the jumps, but. I really like trying to hit corners, and to me, that's more difficult, and I enjoy that process more because there's nothing better than railing a corner just the right way. To me, right. I don't get the same feeling when I hit a jump. Like, it's a cool feeling to hit a jump, but, like, man, when you hit a rut really good or a berm, something, you know, something fierce, it's 
dude, I, I, that feeling sticks with you on the way home, on the drive home. You think about it. You come home to your old lady. You're still thinking about it, you know. So, <laughs> I mean, yeah. So I, I don't know. I like I like tracks with a lot of corners. I like ruts. So I don't get a lot of that out in California. But when I do, it's fun. Right on, well, Chris. Man, I really appreciate all your time. I think I kept you on here longer than I said I would. Um, it's always. I, know, I gotta go work out, Dark Side. I gotta go work out with Heather. You mean? Like that kind of workout? Yeah, Heather's not Heather's not even home yet. I got my buddy sitting here looking at me like, hey, are we going to fucking work out tonight or oh, what? Oh, shit. Sorry, dude. Well, tell your buddies. No, I'm... no, no. I'm just busting your butt. Hey, I do got a question, though. If yeah. you had a choice, FXR or Fly, what are you going with? Oh, come on. You know the answer to that, don't you? I, don't, I just want to hear it. I, I'm Fly all day, brother. Oh, yeah. See, my buddy. Yep, yep. All right. Yeah, he's I, trying to. He, he doesn't. He doesn't want to fly, dude. I'm trying to get him flying. He's like, nah. Oh, it's so sick. The the new light hydrogen right. stuff is awesome. And you know, honestly, Chris, for me, it started with. Um, well, I bought a. I used to buy gear, just whatever was on discount at Tucker or BTO or whatever. I just buy gear, whatever I could get for cheap. And when I got it to listening to Pulp and through the radio, got to know JT a little bit. I thought, man, this this company just seems amazing. And I, love, I do like the gear, so I started buying it for that reason. And then anytime I would have a question or anything, JT would answer or he would get me in touch with somebody that did. And I just think the company is amazing. Uh, and they make amazing gear. You know, it's it, they're good people. And not saying anything Honestly, against yeah, them. I agree with you. And I don't want to, we don't want to be like ball hangers on your show. But seriously, like WPS, when I went up there and toured it and, and hung out with them, dude, all of them, I mean, I'm telling you right now, almost Every person that I met rides a dirt bike, yeah. has their dirt bike. Um, they're involved in it. They know what's going on. Uh, Dale calls me just to check in and see how the gear is. They want to know if it's good. They want to know what's not working. They're they're just really, it's a really good family-knit company. Yes. And it's tough to find stuff like that when they get that big, you know? Right. Well, and, I, and I'm the same way with, that's why I'm so dedicated to X-Brand is because Rich is such a good dude. And he has helped me from day one when he didn't know anything about me. And if a company will do that for me, for somebody that I'm not selling it, or, you know, I'm not really selling any product for them, that means something to me. And, uh, you know, whether it be Mike Williamson at Fly, Chris Cooksey, Jason Thomas, Amanda, who does the amateur support stuff, they're just amazing people. And it's an amazing product. So uh, why would I want to go anywhere else? There you go. I think he's sold now. We got him. We got him hooked. Cool, man. Yeah, shoot. I, if I need to, I'll send him some of my gear to try out, but it's the best stuff ever. Oh, he's got he's got some boxes coming to his house. He's going to flip his shit when he sees it. <laughs> hey, you know, and speaking of that, I, I don't want to give too much information, but, you know, I, I texted you because I was debating on new boots. The Alpine Stars are pretty mm-hmm. high-dollar boots, and mm-hmm. uh, I get a discount because I am an amateur-supported rider through WPS. I get a 40% discount on Garnet's. And, uh, you know, I, I, but I wanted the Alpine Stars, and JT really helped me out a lot with that and got me in a set of Alpine Stars. And, again, that's stuff he doesn't have to right. do. Right. He, he so, yeah, because WPS is Alpine Star now, too, right? Yeah, they just got up. They picked him up. Uh, I guess it's probably been almost a year now. Yep. But there is no discount on Alpine Star through WPS, <laughs> but I still went with them based off your recommendation, and, and JT just kind of – Helped me out a little bit too, so yeah, I'm I'm stoked. I can't wait for him to get here. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I like. There's a lot of boots that I do like. Uh, my favorite, obviously, is a is an Alpine Star and a Tech Ten and a and a Fox boot. But 
I do like Garnet's SG12 is a really good. The new CD is is good too. But if yeah. I was gonna go buy my own boots, I would buy a Tech 10, just for the the protection, how they feel, um, and they and they. If you want to be best dressed, they go with everything. So yep. you're cool there, <laughs> and uh, they go well with all different kinds of fly gear. Right. Well, I was just about and, to say uh, yeah. I've never worn Fox boots because I wear fly gear, and you cannot mix match. It just you can't, not no, if you're gonna be best you dressed. Can't, you can't. Thank you, thank you. Tell Steve to suck it. Yeah, hey, and just so you know, I've voted on the pulpies about fifty times, and it's always for best dressed and and Kiefer after yeah, dark. So, dark side. Yeah, awesome. I also hey, voted for dark for side about that's fifty really, times. That's really cool that you came up with a lot of those. That's awesome. Yeah, I was pretty surprised. He emailed me, uh, like, I think the day before or Thanksgiving Day and asked if I would help out with some stuff. And, um, you know, I, I was able to contribute a little bit, and I, I enjoy that. I, I love the Pulp Show, man. I have mad respect. Everybody on this show has m- a ton of respect for Mathis and everybody that's part of that show. Yeah, Mathis is all right. He's okay. I like Mathis, man. I, I, <laughs> yeah, he's good people, and he, he – uh, Sometimes he can be a little bit of a hard ass on the sh- on the show, but he's he's really a good dude, and Pookie's awesome. So, yeah, they're great people. Mathis has done a, a shit ton for me, yeah. stuff that I couldn't even reach him for. Um, and he has a very, really, really cool thing going. I, you know, just like you said, I really didn't. I was a fan of the show before I even got on. Right. And so. I understand, man. It's a cool thing to, to listen to every Monday night, and you get a lot of information that you would normally not hear. So I, I, I was all in as well. Yeah, it definitely has changed the way I watch racing because, as I've said many times, I wouldn't know who Alex Ray was or, you know, the the Seven Deuce Deuce or the Seven Deuce Trace. I wouldn't know those guys if it wasn't for the show. Yep, I yep. hear you. All right, Chris, I'll let you get to your workout. Um, tell Heather I said hi. All right, guys. Yeah, thanks for having me, and uh, Derek, Keep it real out there in Texas, and if you got any uh, problems with some little little motherfuckers on the track, just squash them. <laughs> yeah. Yes, sir. The, the 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 young fast guys think they want some of Derek until he gets in front of them, and they can't hang, and they get mad. <laughs> hey, hey, real quick before I get off, isn't that awesome when you get these punk ass fast kids? They think they're actually really tough in real life because they're fast on the track, and then you'll get them off the track, and they let's see if a guy like Derek comes up to them. They're screwed, dude. They wouldn't even know what to do. <laughs> yeah. So I tell these punk-ass kids, I go, dude, you better be careful who you take out on the track because you have no idea who's under that helmet to kick your ass. Yeah, right. Yeah, just, just real quick, like two, two or three weeks ago, I went to Pine Bluff, Arkansas on a Saturday race. A real good friend of mine has a track lined up with the, the 450 Open uh, guys, and uh, I was running the ran the 30 Expert, you know, and I'm in my 50s now, and uh, lined up with the 450 uh, Opens. And uh, went out there and just run off with the first moto. Nobody really knew who I was, you know. I come back for the second moto, and the guy lines up beside me, and he's he's eyeballing me and looking in my trying to look through my helmet. And uh, he looks at me finally, and I pulled off my goggles, and he looks at my gray hair, and he's like, "Oh my God, you are so old," you know. And and I was like, "Yeah, okay, well, let's get it on." So the gate dropped again, and. And they still they still <laughs> couldn't like they it. still couldn't catch up. So it was it was oh, awesome. Man, that's that's and, awesome. I love that shit. Yeah, and his girlfriend shit, his like girlfriend it. dogged him out. That the old fat man <laughs> beat him. You know. Yeah, yeah. Just before we wrap this up, Chris, just so you know, Derek was three hundred plus not that long ago. He was. Yeah, yeah. close to four, around four hundred pounds at one time. 
that sounds like Ricky. Ricky was freaking three something too, and he lost a shit ton of weight. Yeah, and yeah. Derek Derek flies, dude. He's got the technique, man. When you have that talent, he he he's never lost it. Hey, Derek, you got Instagram? No, I don't do Instagram, but I am on Facebook. Hey, uh, Darkside, get a video of him next time. Put him on Instagram. I want to check it out. I'll do it, man. I'll do it. All right. See you guys. All right, Chris. It. Take care, man. Thank you. All right. All see right. you. See All ya. Right. Chris Kiefer, Derek. What do you think of him, man? He's a good dude. He's awesome, man. Yeah, he's he's great people. A lot and, of uh, knowledge. Yeah, he, he dude. He's one of those guys. Like when I first started listening to him, he's talking about testing stuff, and he's talking about like the the flex of a tire in a corner, like stuff I would never feel. He feels all those things. He helped with a lot of the uh, production of the uh, and testing of the Michelin Starcross Five, which I'm running now. And he he's one of those guys that just he really knows the details of what the bike's doing and all these things that I just take for granted. You know, I just go out and I just ride. Well, it's like he was talking about the tracks, the difference in the tracks and moving the shootouts from yeah. the West Coast to the East Coast. And I can understand that because the West Coast tracks, even back in my day when we rode Saddleback and Hangtown and, and Carlsbad and those tracks, they were hard-packed type of dirt and stuff. And then we'd move further east, and as we got to Texas, it was sandy loams and stuff like that. And then yeah. as you got over to the East Coast – it was all sand, you know, right. and a lot, and some clay stuff, you know, further south. But I mean, the bikes work different, and yeah. the, you know, it's like I like my KTM 450 because uh, I can feel the frame flex in that chromoly yep, yep, frame, yep. you know, versus the the delta frame of aluminum, you know. So, I mean, there's it's there's a lot of different things there, and, and I'm kind of learning that same thing right now when we talk about tires, because I've gone being a big guy, I've been having <laughs> I was having flats every week, right. so. Now I've gone to Bib Moose, and I'm having to learn how the to the tire reacts on the tracks on the different terrains now and the different types of dirt. So I'm, yeah, I'm it's you know, yeah, you know the different flexing and stuff yeah. in the tires, and it's it's there. You can feel it. Yeah, I wish I, I need to pay more attention and try to feel those things instead of just trying to not hold my breath while I'm riding. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys, we're gonna wrap this thing up. Um, I'm sorry if the show sucked tonight. It was definitely my fault. I, I don't like it when Mark and TJ aren't here. It really helps to have those TJ running the board and Mark doing the intros because I don't feel like I'm very good at it. But I really appreciate you, Derek, coming in and uh, helping out because it made it a lot easier having somebody else here. <laughs> Anytime. Man, I, I really enjoyed it. I hope you did. Oh, I had a blast. Um, we didn't get to do a, a uh, locals only tonight, and we, we're going to reschedule Courtney Lloyd for next week. So we'll uh, look forward to talking to her. One more time, though, I want to thank all of our sponsors, Broadway, Yamaha, Power, Broadway Power Sports. Go check them out if you're in the Tyler area. they got great deals. If you need any uh, welding or fabrication work, York Welding and Fabrication, MX Girl Designs for all your graphic needs, and that's MX Girl, G-U-R-L. Uh, we've had some people say they didn't. I, I need to make sure we say the U every time. It's MX G-U-R-L, MX Girl. Shock Socks Designs, the best fork seal protectors in the business, and all sport dynamic wrist braces. Check them out. Go spend some money. And uh, also uh, TPJ Racing. All right, guys. I'm out. Thanks. Next time.